This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Anatomy of a Movie. Today is a very special day because, of course, we're going into Oscar Sundays. And what better way to go into the Oscar season than talking about the Oscar-nominated Marriage Story? Uh, this is by Noah Baumbach, and it's a beautiful and incisive tale about a marriage breaking up and a family staying together. And I'm here to discuss that movie with Tara Erickson. Uh, who knows all things movies and has been very consistent in just giving us, you know, the best of the best and things that I miss, like, quite frequently. You just come in and you're like, remember this part? And I'm like, oh my god, yeah, that was my favorite part and I forgot. I love it. Yeah. I come in with the deets, you guys. (laughs) So, uh, keep in mind, you guys, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review, so if you haven't seen it yet, you can easily pause your screens, go on Netflix, and watch Marriage Story, because it is streaming on Netflix right now. Uh, what were your overall thoughts of Marriage Story? Man, you know what? I really avoided this movie because it got so much buzz when it first came out. And I was afraid that it was just going to be so heart-wrenching that I would just like cry through the whole thing. And I wasn't ready for the emotional stakes of it. And then I watched it. And the way that it opens up is like so beautiful And then it's just so realistic throughout. Um, And it's not that it's not sad. It is, like, sad. There's some very deep, poignant uh, moments where you're like, oh. But um, it wasn't like I was sobbing through the whole thing. And so I was kind of sad after where I was like, man, I should have watched this the second it came out because it is now one of my most favorite movies of 2020, but you really could say 2019. I definitely wish I saw it right when it came out. And that's just because... The one thing I really don't like is when I go into a movie once it's been super hyped up and I'm expecting something that isn't necessarily realistic. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with me and my experience in watching Marriage Story. Um, I was like, wow, everybody's raving about this. It must be exceptional. Um, Didn't know what to expect, went into it. And I was like, yeah, it's a good movie, but it didn't live up to the hype I had in my mind. I thought it was good and solid. I just wasn't as deeply impacted by it as everybody else was saying that they were. Uh, There was like one very poignant scene at the very end of the movie that tied the whole thing together from beginning to end, and that stood out to me the most. There was a lot that happened in between, and I just feel like it's great that this movie's on Netflix, but that was kind of one of my qualms with it, is that I didn't watch it the way that I think it should be watched, which is in a theater without any distractions, without me, like, looking over at my phone or, like, being in an environment that's, like, not completely dark, where you're just focused on the movie. I think that's what this movie really needs, and I know it only had a one-month theatrical release. Wish it was longer than that. Yeah, me too. I would have loved to see it on the big screen. Yeah, but, you know, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, You know, it's called Marriage Story, not Divorce Story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's clearly about a divorce. But um, I believe I was, like, doing some research, and they were saying that it focuses on their marriage and the moments of truth and love even as they separate, which is why 
it is marriage story. And you mentioned the way the story opened up with, you know, both of them saying what they love about each other. I thought that was really powerful and beautiful. What did you think about the way it opened up? Did you know that this would be a story about divorce going into it? I mean, uh, yeah, I think from what I had already seen, I knew that it was going to be heart like they were going to separate. Yeah. Um, but uh, the way that they describe each other makes you fall in love with both of the characters almost immediately. But then when you get to the beef of how their relationship actually works, um, it's it's so realistic in in terms of what you see in the other person in the beginning of a relationship and all their good parts. And as you go along, you start to forget that and you take advantage of it and all that bad stuff and time starts to pass and you just get used to them. And the fact of it opening up on a letter that they had to write because their therapist asked for it of all the good things about their partner uh, was a really cool moment and immediately got me interested in who these two people were. Mm-hmm. And the two people are Charlie and Nicole. Charlie played by Adam Driver, Nicole played by Scarlett Johansson. They're both nominated for the Oscar for Best Actor, Best Actress. And, uh... In your mind, was there one character or actor in Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In this movie that stood out to you the most, was was it Charlie's show? Was it Nicole's story? Who do you think the narrative, you know, really, like, leaned Lend in on? Yeah, to? Yeah. I honestly think Noah did a really good job because I don't think that it leaned on one more than the other. There were moments for both of them that you could very strongly see what they were about and then especially when you get to sort of the middle of the movie um, when they have a big blow up fight scene um, it all comes out what they both expected from each other and in all the ways that they also failed each other and I never really saw a moment where it was more one person's story than the other it was very in my opinion equally divided do you think that the film was trying to say something specific about marriage or divorce? Like, What was your interpretation of the meaning behind the movie? Um, I think that it was trying to display that love can still withstand a divorce, although in the middle of it, you're going to feel like S-H-I-T. I mean, it's hell, and especially if you have a kid involved. Um, the biggest scene to me that tied it all together was at the very end in regards to what is he trying to say about uh, a marriage story is that um, she taps his foot and ties his shoelace at the very end. Um, she didn't need to do that. He's not her husband anymore. Uh, she really doesn't even have to like see him or talk to him or care at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just displaying human nature to be like, well, I loved you and probably always will, but it just, we can't be together. Yeah. 
I love that Scarlett Johansson has uh, an Oscar-nominated performance for this, and I love that she was in Jojo Rabbit, and both movies have poignant scenes tying shoelaces, mm-hmm. which I could I would never in a million years imagine that tying someone's shoelace, shoelace. would be a powerful, mm-hmm. moving, emotional scene. It's true. But you know what? Anything can be powerful if it's well-written. <laughs> She's doing a lot of shoelacing, guys. She's good at it. Uh, all the different techniques of tying shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, that that it was equal. There were a lot of critics saying that it was Charlie's story because we kind of focus on him at the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. um, the second half especially, and it kind of ends with, like, us feeling connected with him and his struggles. But I thought they did a really good job, like, making him kind of seem like an ass, like, just a very, like, unlikable character in the beginning, where, mm-hmm. it, like, we kind of went back and forth, like, she said all the things she loved about Charlie, and then we start to love Charlie, and then we, there's an affair somewhere in there, and he, there's cheating involved, and then, you know, we see kind of, like, from her perspective, how self-centered he is, and I think that starts to illustrate, okay, like, this guy is kind of like really not caring about her and is in his own film world but at the same time we see what a great father he is and that he really does love her and that characters are not black and white villains or heroes that they're nuanced and both of these people in this movie have issues that they're trying to work out and different expectations but ultimately like I kept trying to understand like why isn't it working is it a breakdown of communication is it different wants or do you think it's just that Charlie doesn't really listen to her? I think it's all of it. And I think the biggest line in that argument, um, she says, I loved you more than you loved me. And he says, what does that have to do with L.A.? And that is a moment that explains their relationship. And right after that, when she goes, see, you don't even, you can't even see how self-centered you are, even when you're like, you're doing it so strongly right now. Um, and then her saying that is not like just a wife saying like you're being self-centered. That was an actual moment where you're like, oh yeah, he totally is. Yeah. Who says that? Who does that kind of response? Um, it just, uh, <laughs> I was like, what? It, it kind of takes you out of yourself. Um, and I think that really, yeah, highlighted that he is that guy. And I think it's all of it. Probably, you know, not listening. He was always in the power position being a director. He loved her as an actor. I mean, she was the one that wanted to be married. He did not want to be married. She, I mean, he says a bunch of stuff like, you sped it along and I went with it. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's sad. (laughs) It is really sad. And I kept thinking, oh, like, you know, they're going to amicably split And then I'm like, well, then there would be no story, right? Right. (laughs) Like, the whole story is, like, the messiness of divorce. And once lawyers got involved, I mean, I thought it was such an interesting dynamic because we have Laura Dern, uh, who plays Nora, uh, and she is defending Scarlett Johansson's character. And then we also have a bunch of lawyers that Charlie tries to go through before ultimately settling on one. Mm -hmm. And then he finally settles on Ray Liotta, to come to his defense, and then we just have a scene where it's, like, Nora Shaw and then Ray Liotta's character going back and forth and, you know, really defending their client, and it just gets so nasty. Uh, Why do you think, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character, like, why do you think she chose Nora to represent her? Do you think this was intentional by any means? Uh, Yeah, I mean, Laura Dern does a really great job. Nora, the lawyer, specifically... Um, 
you just see at the top of that scene when she first meets her that Nora just sits down, her body language is open, and she's just like, you know, here's some tea and here's some cookies, and like, tell me about you. Like, what's your life like? Where'd you Where'd you grow up? Like, what What happened with you? Because I want to know your your story. And I think um, I don't know that Charlie ever asked that of Nicole. I think this is Nicole's first moment in many, many years to actually truly tell someone how she feels that is actually asking because she actually cares. She is doing her job, but um, I got a vibe from Nora's character that she does care, and she talks about the double standard that is set on women, you know, later in the movie in regards to, like, women have to be perfect, but dads are, like, always failures, right? It's just that's how it's set up in our society, and we all accept it. Um, and, uh, I think in the beginning it, it wasn't, uh, very intentional. I think she just knew she needed to cover her ground, uh, and be smart about what she was doing in divorcing Charlie. And then after meeting Nora, it became emotional and they formed an attachment and it became one of the smarter moves that she could make. Right. I almost feel like Nora was the mouthpiece to say all the things that she really wanted to say that she never fully articulated and all of the pent-up frustration and anger and sadness that she felt over the years being with Charlie. Um, I also think that in the beginning, my interpretation of Nora as a lawyer was that, you know, she wasn't looking out necessarily for her best interest. Well, not that she wasn't looking out for her best interest, but that she didn't, like, really care about Scarlett Johansson's character on a human level. Um, But that she was just, like, this lawyer being like, oh, tell me, like, tell me what you feel, tell me, like, what you need. And it almost felt like the goal for her was just winning. She just wants to win. She wants to get her as a client. She wants to win. She wants to make her feel comfortable and at ease. At the core of it, she felt like a business person. It wasn't until the story progressed that I felt like, oh, she actually is coming from a place that I relate to you. Let's not let these men screw us over. Like, we're not going to let them get away with this. And I loved everything she was saying about, you know, the modern day dad wasn't invented until X amount of years ago. And dads aren't expected to be this way. And there are double standards involved. Like, I thought that was so fascinating and interesting. And it really helped illustrate her character being so aggressive and, you know, just like holding nothing back when it came to you know, defending. And I love that. I love that alpha quality of her not letting anyone step over her client. Yeah, I mean, her metaphor about Mother Mary, she's like, she was a virgin who birthed a child into the world and dad wasn't even there. Dad is God and he didn't show up. Yeah. So it's like, you have to be perfect and they can get away with whatever. And now she is looking at that with that metaphor probably always throughout her career of like, so we're not going to let them get away with it anymore. Right. Um, Even if it's going to be a painful process, I think she does have at the core of her, there's some like truth that she wants to win um, for her clients, for their life, like their well-being. I totally agree with that. And I also want to go through uh, the list of the other lawyers, uh, specifically the two main lawyers that Charlie was utilizing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, first, he he doesn't find the perfect lawyer at with first. With Bert? Yeah, with Bert. Bert is super sweet, played by uh, Alan Alda. And he's like, you know, I, I see you at a human level. I'm your friend. And then he, like, talks about the cost and the price and the retainer. And then you're just like, wait, everything at the root is a business. Even if someone is kind and cares about you, it's still a business. They're still lawyers. They still have their fees. 
and you're just like, how does it cost this much to get a divorce? Like, this is insane. This is crazy. And they didn't even want that. They wanted to resolve it between them. And I almost think that the cheating, like, when she really realized that Charlie was cheating, I think that kind of pushed her over the edge where she's like, no, I'm going through with this. Because he never apologized. Like, he never apologized. He didn't say anything about that. And it was kind of glossed over. Which makes me think that the cheating wasn't even the worst thing that happened. Everything else was. Yeah. I think um, in going back to the to the lawyers, Bert, I mean, that's a name for just, like, Bert. You know, he's like, Bert, he's a nice guy. But he really was the one that, um, when Charlie said, but I want him to know that I fought for him. And Bert just said, he will. You don't have to do all of this. I mean, Bert was really the person that could have taken him away from this big court thing and honestly maybe settled it more in terms of how they wanted it to be and then in swoops Ray Liotta you know at the last second because Bert just didn't have the gall that Charlie wanted to be like F this and this situation sucks and I want to direct a play in New York and I had to move to LA Mm -hmm. and she's getting what she wants while it's not realizing like she wanted that for 10 years and still stayed with you like you know all that and then um once Ray shows up, I mean, he's just as guttural as uh, Laura Dern's character. So, uh, you know, they go bat to bat. I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, he really is. Like, just watching that dynamic unfold, it's so interesting how you can craft a narrative and make someone seem like a victim and <laughs> just through the facts and evidence that you're presented. It's so easy to, like, do, like, just tell a story in a way that really helps your client. And you notice, like, through this argument, there's two sides to the story, and they both end up seeming, like, horrible to each other, but also great in their own right. And it's interesting how that plays out. But I also loved, like, how after they were, like, done discussing things, even, you know, privately, not in the courtroom, they're like, oh, let's get lunch right now. What do you guys want? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how you just are, like, taken out of it. It's almost, like, theatrical, and then you're like, okay, let's get lunch, and, like, now we're done with this play, like, time to time to like eat and like talk and bond and then scarlett johansson's character ends up picking out charlie's meal uh which i thought yeah that was so cute like you see the little moments of love even amidst this separation yeah the marriage story will always exist for forever the story of of who she is to charlie and how charlie is to nicole i think the the core dynamic of their relationship Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Anatomy of a Movie. Today is a very special day because, of course, we're going into Oscar Sundays. And what better way to go into the Oscar season than talking about the Oscar-nominated Marriage Story? Uh, this is by Noah Baumbach, and it's a beautiful and incisive tale about a marriage breaking up and a family staying together. And I'm here to discuss that movie with Tara Erickson. Uh, who knows all things movies and has been very consistent in just giving us, you know, the best of the best and things that I miss, like, quite frequently. You just come in and you're like, remember this part? And I'm like, oh my god, yeah, that was my favorite part and I forgot. I love it. Yeah. I come in with the deets, you guys. (laughs) So, uh, keep in mind, you guys, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review, so if you haven't seen it yet, you can easily pause your screens, go on Netflix, and watch Marriage Story, because it is streaming on Netflix right now. Uh, what were your overall thoughts of Marriage Story? 
Man, you know what? I really avoided this movie because it got so much buzz when it first came out. And I was afraid that it was just going to be so heart-wrenching that I would just, like, cry through the whole thing. And I wasn't ready for the emotional stakes of it. And then I watched it. And the way that it opens up is, like, so beautiful. And then it's just so realistic throughout. Um, And it's not that it's not sad. It is, like, sad. There's some very deep, poignant... Uh, moments where you're like, oh, but um, it wasn't like I was sobbing through the whole thing. And so I was kind of sad after where I was like, man, I should have watched this the second it came out because it is now one of my most favorite movies of 2020, but you really could say 2019. I definitely wish I saw it right when it came out. And that's just because the one thing I really don't like is when I go into a movie once it's been super hyped up and I'm expecting something that isn't necessarily realistic. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with me and my experience in watching Marriage Story. Um, I was like, wow, everybody's raving about this. It must be exceptional. Um, didn't know what to expect, went into it. And I was like, yeah, it's a good movie, but it didn't live up to the hype I had in my mind. I thought it was good and solid. I just wasn't as deeply impacted by it as everybody else was saying that they were. Uh, There was like one very poignant scene at the very end of the movie that tied the whole thing together from beginning to end and that stood out to me the most. There was a lot that happened in between and I just feel like it's great that this movie's on Netflix but that was kind of one of my qualms with it is that I didn't watch it the way that I think it should be watched which is in a theater without any distractions without me like looking over at my phone or like being in an environment that's like not completely dark where you're just focused on the movie I think that's what this movie really needs and I know it only had a one month theatrical release wish it was longer than that yeah me too I would have loved to see it on the big screen yeah but you know let's let's talk about this uh You know, it's called Marriage Story, not Divorce Story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's clearly about a divorce. But um, I believe I was, like, doing some research, and they were saying that it focuses on their marriage and the moments of truth and love even as they separate, which is why it is Marriage Story. And you mentioned the way the story opened up with, you know, both of them saying what they love about each other. I thought that was really powerful and beautiful. What did you think about the way it opened up? Did you know that this would be a story about divorce going into it? I mean, uh, yeah, I think from what I had already seen, I knew that it was going to be heart, like, they were going to separate. Yeah. Um, But uh, the way that they describe each other makes you fall in love with both of the characters almost immediately. But then when you get to the beef of how their relationship actually works, um, it's it's so realistic in, in terms of what you see in the other person in the beginning of a relationship and all their good parts. And as you go along, you start to forget that and you take advantage of it and all that bad stuff and time starts to pass and you just get used to them. And the fact of it opening up on a letter that they had to write because their therapist asked for it of all the good things about their partner uh, was a really cool moment and immediately got me interested in who these two people were. Mm -hmm. And the two people are Charlie and Nicole. Charlie played by Adam Driver, Nicole played by Scarlett Johansson. They're both nominated for the Oscar for Best Actor, Best Actress. And... uh, In your mind, was there one character or actor in this movie that stood out to you the most? Was was it Charlie's show? Was it Nicole's story? Who do you think the narrative, you know, really, like, 
lead lend in itself yeah, to. Yeah. I honestly think Noah did a really good job because I don't think that it leaned on one more than the other. There were moments for both of them that you could very strongly see what they were about. And then especially when you get to sort of the middle of the movie, um, when they have a big blow-up fight scene, um, it all comes out what they both expected from each other and in all the ways that they also failed each other. And I never really saw a moment where it was more one person's story than the other. It was very, in my opinion, equally divided. Do you think that the film was trying to say something specific about marriage or divorce? Like, what was your interpretation of the meaning behind the movie? Um, I think that it was trying to display that love can still withstand a divorce, although in the middle of it, you're going to feel like SHIT. I mean, it's hell. And especially if you have a kid involved. Um, The biggest scene to me that tied it all together was at the very end in regards to what is he trying to say about uh, a marriage story is that um, she taps his foot and ties his shoelace at the very end. Um, She didn't need to do that. He's not her husband anymore. Uh, She really doesn't even have to like see him or talk to him or care at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just displaying human nature to be like, well, I loved you and probably always will, but it just, we can't be together. Yeah. I love that Scarlett Johansson has uh, an Oscar-nominated performance for this, and I love that she was in Jojo Rabbit, and both movies have poignant scenes tying shoelaces, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I could I would never in a million years imagine that tying someone's shoelace, shoelace. would be a powerful, mm-hmm. moving, emotional scene. It's true. <laughs> but you know what? Anything can be powerful if it's well-written. <laughs> She's doing a lot of shoelacing, guys. She's good at uh, it. All the different techniques of tying shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, that that it was equal. There were a lot of critics saying that it was Charlie's story because we kind of focus on him at the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. um, the second half especially, and it kind of ends with, like, us feeling connected with him and his struggles. But I thought they did a really good job, like, making him kind of seem like an ass like he's just a very like unlikable character in the beginning where mm-hmm. it like we kind of went back and forth like she said all the things she loved about charlie and then we start to love charlie and then we there's an affair somewhere in there and he there's cheating involved and then you know we see kind of like from her perspective how self-centered he is and i think that starts to illustrate okay like this guy is kind of like really not caring about her and is in his own film world but at the same time we see what a great father he is and that he really does love her and that characters are not black and white villains or heroes that they're nuanced and both of these people in this movie have issues that they're trying to work out and different expectations but ultimately like I kept trying to understand like why isn't it working is it a breakdown of communication is it different wants Or do you think it's just that Charlie doesn't really listen to her? I think it's all of it. And I think the biggest line in that argument, um, she says, I loved you more than you loved me. And he says, what does that have to do with L.A.? And that is a moment that explains their relationship. And right after that, when she goes, see, you don't even, you can't even see how self-centered you are, even when you're like, you're doing it so strongly right now. Um, And then her saying that is not, like, just a wife saying, like, you're being self-centered. That was an actual moment where you're like, oh, yeah, he totally is. Who says that? Who does that kind of response? Um, It just 
<laughs> I was like, well, what? It kind of takes you out of yourself. Um, and I think that really, yeah, highlighted that he is that guy. And I think it's all of it. Probably, you know, not listening. He was always in the power position being a director. He loved her as an actor. I mean, she was the one that wanted to be married. He did not want to be married. She, I mean, he says a bunch of stuff like you sped it along and I went with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's sad. It is really sad, and I kept thinking, oh, like, you know, they're going to amicably split, and then I'm like, well, then there would be no story, right? Right. <laughs> like, the whole story is, like, the messiness of divorce, and once lawyers got involved, I mean, I thought it was such an interesting dynamic, because we have Laura Dern, um, who plays Nora, uh, and she is defending Scarlett Johansson's character, and then we also have a bunch of lawyers that Charlie tries to go through before ultimately settling on one. And then he finally settles on Ray Liotta to come to his defense. And then we just have a scene where it's like Nora Shaw and then Ray Liotta's character going back and forth and, you know, really defending their client. And it just gets so nasty. Uh, Why do you think, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character, like, why do you think she chose... Nora to represent her. Do you think this was intentional by any means? Uh, yeah, I mean, Laura Dern does a really great job. Nora, the lawyer specifically, um, you just see at the top of that scene when she first meets her that Nora just sits down, her body language is open, and she's just like, you know, here's some tea and here's some cookies, and like, tell me about you. Like, what's your life like? Where'd you Where'd you grow up? Like, what What happened with you? Because I want to know your your story, and I think. Um, I don't know that Charlie ever asked that of Nicole. I think this is Nicole's first moment in many, many years to actually truly tell someone how she feels. That is actually asking because she actually cares. She is doing her job, but um, I got a vibe from Nora's character that she does care. And she talks about the double standard that is set on women you know, later in the movie in regards to, like, women have to be perfect, but dads are, like, always failures, right? It's just, that's how it's set up in our society, and we all accept it. Um, And uh, I think in the beginning, it it wasn't uh, very intentional. I think she just knew she needed to cover her ground uh, and be smart about what she was doing in divorcing Charlie. And then after meeting Nora, it became emotional, and they formed an attachment, and it became one of the smarter moves that she could make. Right. I almost feel like Nora was the mouthpiece to say all the things that she really wanted to say that she never fully articulated and all of the pent-up frustration and anger and sadness that she felt over the years being with Charlie. Um, I also think that in the beginning, my interpretation of Nora as a lawyer was that, you know, she wasn't looking out necessarily for her best interest or... Well, not that she wasn't looking out for her best interest, but that she didn't, like, really care about Scarlett Johansson's character on a human level. Um, But that she was just, like, this lawyer being like, oh, tell me, like, tell me what you feel, tell me, like, what you need. And it almost felt like the goal for her was just winning. She just wants to win. She wants to get her as a client. She wants to win. She wants to make her feel comfortable and at ease. At the core of it, she felt like a business person. It wasn't until the story progressed that I felt like, oh, she actually is coming from a place of 
I relate to you. Let's not let these men screw us over. Like, we're not going to let them get away with this. And I loved everything she was saying about, you know, the modern day dad wasn't invented until X amount of years ago. And dads aren't expected to be this way. And there are double standards involved. Like, I thought that was so fascinating and interesting. And it really helped illustrate her character being so aggressive and you know, just, like, holding nothing back when it came to, you know, defending. And I love that. I love that alpha quality of her not letting anyone step over her client. Yeah, I mean, her metaphor about Mother Mary, she's like, she was a virgin who birthed a child into the world, and Dad wasn't even there. Dad is God, and he didn't show up. Yeah. So it's like, you have to be perfect, and they can get away with whatever. And now she is looking at that with that metaphor probably always throughout her career of, like, so we're not going to let them get away with it anymore. Right. Um, Even if it's going to be a painful process, I think she does have, at the core of her, there's some, like, truth that she wants to win um, for her clients, for their life, like, their well-being. I totally agree with that. And I also want to go through uh, the list of the other lawyers, uh, specifically the two main lawyers that Charlie was utilizing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, first, he he doesn't find the perfect lawyer at with first. With Bert? Yeah, with Bert. Bert is super sweet, played by uh, Alan Alda. And he's like, you know, I, I see you at a human level. I'm your friend. And then he, like, talks about the cost and the price and the retainer. And then you're just like, wait, everything at the root is a business. Even if someone is kind and cares about you, it's still a business. They're still lawyers. They still have their fees. And you're just like, how does it cost this much to get a divorce? Like, this is insane. This is crazy. And they didn't even want that. They wanted to resolve it between them. And I almost think that the cheating, like, when she really realized that Charlie was cheating, I think that kind of pushed her over the edge where she's like, no, I'm going through with this. Because yeah. he never apologized. Like, he never apologized. He didn't right. say anything about that. And it was kind of glossed over, which makes me think that the cheating wasn't even the worst thing that happened. Everything else was. Yeah. I think um, in going back to the to the lawyers, Bert, I mean, that's a name for just, like, Bert. You know, he's like, Bert, he's a nice guy. But he really was the one that, um, when Charlie said, but I want him to know that I fought for him. And Bert just said, he will. You don't have to do all of this. I mean, Bert was really the person that could have taken him away from this big court thing and honestly maybe settled it more in terms of how they wanted it to be. And then in swoops Ray Liotta, you know, at the last second, because Bert just didn't have the gall that Charlie wanted to be like, F this and this situation sucks and I want to direct a play in New York and I had to move to L.A. Mm -hmm. and she's getting what she wants. Well, it's not realizing, like, she wanted that for 10 years and still stayed with you. Like, you know, all that. And then um, once Ray shows up, I mean, he's just as guttural as uh, Laura Dern's character. So, uh, you know, they go bat to bat. I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, he really is. Like, just watching that dynamic unfold, it's so interesting how you can craft a narrative and make someone seem like a victim and <laughs> just through the facts and evidence that you're presented. It's so easy to, like do like just tell a story in a way that really helps your client and you notice like through this argument there's two sides to the story and they both end up seeming like horrible to each other but also great in their own right and it's interesting how that plays out but i also loved like how 
after they were like done discussing things, even you know privately, not in the courtroom, they're like, "Oh, let's get lunch right now. What do you guys want?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how you just are like taken out of it. It's almost like theatrical, and then you're like, "Okay, let's get lunch." And like now we're done with this play. Like time to time to like eat and like talk and bond. And then Scarlett Johansson's character ends up picking out Charlie's meal. Uh, which I thought, yeah, that was so cute. Like, you see the little moments of love even amidst this separation. Yeah, the marriage story will always exist for forever. The story of, of who she is to Charlie and how Charlie is to Nicole, I think the, the core dynamic of their relationship will never end. Do you think that the divorce could have been prevented by any means had they not used lawyers at all? Maybe, um, but I think Charlie's... Um, egotism and his want to say uh, I want to live in New York forever and he never actually heard out Nicole that she had wanted to live in LA be closer to her family and follow her dreams too and not just his Um, that I think either way they would have ended up fighting about it and he probably would not budge on moving from New York to LA and so lawyers would have had to get involved Anyway, I think at the end of the day, I don't think he would have budged. And the reason that um, he did is because she found Nora and, you know, he got Ray and it was not a great fight. It was pretty brutal. Um, But at least Henry does seem like he likes L.A. more. He is surrounded by more family. And it is actually really easy when you look at Charlie's point of view of like, yeah, we get it. You started a theater in New York. Move to L.A. Start one there. Doesn't your family mean more than that, you already have a name. What's the problem here? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you making it such a big freaking issue? And so I think they would have come to a head and it would have had to end either way with a third party speaking for them, which they very much do in the court scene. Adam and Scarlett do not say a word, which is what leads us to the big argument scene because we're, we're going from where their voice is taken away by lawyers and then them deciding to hash it out, and it just blows up in so many ways. Yeah, I think the second the lawyers were involved, it tainted the entire dynamic, and then they couldn't really resolve anything peacefully or diplomatically because of all the horrible things that were said by the lawyers. I mean, like, every little thing, from the car seat not being buckled in in the rental car to uh, Nicole having a couple drinks when tucking Charlie in bed, like, these little things that seem like not a big deal, it almost seemed like they purposely were saying it about each other to get dirt on them, even if they probably weren't. And the lawyers just took that as, like, this is going to help our case. This is going to really help paint you as the perfect mom or the terrible mom or the perfect dad or the terrible dad. Um, and the the one thing that I thought was surprising about this movie is I didn't feel like I could emotionally connect to the child at all. Mm-hmm. I felt like the kid, um, you know, he... Henry. Just, yeah, Henry. He honestly just felt the, like he was so removed from the situation. And I, I tried to, like, relate to him because I was around his age when my parents divorced. I was in fourth, fifth grade, and it seems like that's... I mean, he's younger than that, probably, but um, I, I wonder, like, how oblivious I was to everything, and I think there is a slight oblivion when you are that age to what's going on, but you still know. And I felt like he was very, like, in his own world, and they describe that in the movie. Like, Henry's in his own world, just like his dad, and... You know, not really paying attention to things. Um, But it just annoyed me because I'm like, they're fighting for this kid, essentially. Like, that's, like, the main valuable thing. Not the couches, not the money. It's the kid. Like, who's going to have the kid? And 
this kid doesn't seem to be like in my opinion like a huge prize to fight for as terrible as that sounds like I sound like a monster saying that but I just couldn't emotionally connect to him and I could feel the love that the parents had for him I just didn't feel any reciprocity from kid to parent and I think that's what made it like I can't I can't connect to this part of the story for some reason. Yeah, I think Henry was uh, more there to show their relationship and having a child and how difficult it is and that in the midst of that actual big fight is that uh, Scarlett's character does say, oh, I was wondering when you would eventually get to Henry because that's what this is all about. But it, it never really was. I mean, that huge argument is all about them back and forth. Like, you'll never be happy. I, like, cringe when you touch me. I thought of your mother when I slept next to you. Like, a bunch of just crazy stuff that goes on for 11 pages in the script, which is about them, which is why it's called a marriage story. And Henry's in there um, and he's in there in small ways, like just taking it on onto production, how you were saying that everything is intentional, um, that there is, you know, a wall dividing them in between the kitchen and the living room on purpose so right. that when they're having the argument, they can't really see each other and they have to move around walls and Charlie's like going in other rooms and deflecting. Mm-hmm. And um, at the very end of that, in regards to like production, how it's very purposeful in going back to Henry... There is a master shot where Scarlett goes to um, comfort Adam Driver's character after he says, like, I wish you would die and just get hit by a car. And then he starts sobbing and he falls to the ground. She goes to comfort him, even amidst those words, you know. And he does say, you know, I'm sorry. And she's just she's just there comforting him. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the master shot, you can see the juice box that Scarlett drank when she was first there and that she set on the ground and um it's sort of like a reminder that there's a kid involved Mm -hmm. because he didn't have a lot of drinks there he was like i got juice box or water and she's like i'll take a juice box yeah and it also adds to her kind of being like messy she didn't put it on a table she put it on the ground um which charlie would normally end up picking that up for her all of that was like super intentional where i think um we're not grasping on to that like very strongly, but there's always a slight presence of Henry there as though it's an obstacle that we kind of have to get around because you, you have to be constantly reminded, oh, they have a there's kid. a child involved. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and that child genuinely annoyed me when he's like his father flies out all the way and he's like, no, I want to be with mommy. And I'm just like, that's such a normal thing for a child to say, though. Like, they don't know, like, the ins and outs of what's going on. Like, they don't have that level of, like, emotional intelligence or intuition or, you know, perception to know these are the ins and outs of what's going on. This is why it's important. Um, but he didn't strike me as a kid that was, like, innately, like, super curious. He never, like, really asked why. He was just kind of like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, it's good. And that's what I thought was rather odd about the situation. Um, but building on, like, how everything is intentional in the movie, uh, let's move on to, like, cinematography and the different shots. Because in the beginning of the movie, there's, like, voiceover and we see, like, uh, Nicole and then Charlie and just like, these beautiful compliments about each of the characters. And then when it goes into the therapist's room, uh, I was watching the behind the scenes on Netflix with Noah Baumbach and he was saying how they switched the camera from being like very in your face like when they were playing Monopoly for instance to a stationary camera when it was 
in the therapist's office because they wanted to show like the stillness and the separation in the therapist's office of like both the couples sitting apart with like something in the middle of both of them versus in all the other scenes prior when they're getting along it's very much like in their face in the action like close-ups and then it distances and I thought that was such an interesting choice as well uh, were there any scenes you were blown away by when you realized like wow like everything is so intentional um, yeah the scene where Adam Driver sings being alive I mean there's a lot of scenes in here that are all there every every little part of what Noah does is like there's always an intention behind it which is pretty amazing when you watch his stuff you're like oh that none of this is an accident which I truly appreciate um being alive when Adam does sing this song some of the lyrics that I wrote down where he's it says like hold me too close hurt me too deep need me too much um put me through hell give me support for being alive and when he sings that amidst the divorce and he's no longer with Nicole I had the feeling in listening to him that he may never ever feel as alive as he did with Nicole and I don't know that he ever will even though he also wanted out because he slept with someone else you know in that argument he's like you shouldn't be upset that I slept with her you should be mad that I had a laugh with her Mm. meaning in that moment he probably felt more alive with this woman because she was seeing him for everything that he was you know there's a freshness there Um, But I still think that uh, Nicole is the one that's more responsible for probably holding him too close and, like, needing him too much and putting him through hell and all of this stuff. But um, with her, it may be the most alive he will ever feel in his life, which sets it up to me to go, like, um, uh, a little bit like she was the one that got away, but I'm not sure. Mm and I know that he, you know, he moved on with a, the girl. We do catch him saying, I love you to her via FaceTime. She says, I love you. And he says, I love you too. Which is mm-hmm. funny because Scarlett asked him in the argument, do you love her? And he's like, no, but she didn't hate me. You hated me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the most poignant for me was him singing that song and me thinking like, you'll feel some aliveness with this new person, but I don't think it'll have much depth as you did with Nicole. Yeah, I mean, even the fact that he was willing to, like, get married and, like, do all these things he didn't 100% want to do, like, the compromises he made, um, that kind of shows how much he loved her, because you already can tell from the get-go he's not the kind of guy that makes any compromises, like, he is a little self-centered, he does, like, focus on his theater company, and even when they're not together, he's still giving her notes of criticism of where she could improve and telling him, oh, I don't like this about your hair, which isn't really his place to, like, make those comments anymore. And I I just feel like it's so, like, there's just something about it that's so ugly, even though I know it doesn't come from a bad place. But just, like, his complete lack of awareness of, like, you shouldn't do this. Like, like maybe, like, like, he wants to say something so badly that it's more important for him to get it out of his system than to acknowledge that this could hurt her feelings or annoy her. But it's more important for him to get it out and be heard than just being like, maybe hold back, maybe don't do this. And with her, she's very much the opposite, where she's been holding back instead of expressing how she feels. And that's where the power imbalance lies, with the communication, with you know him never let anything, like he never holds anything back, but she does. And I think it kind of shows how you know, in the beginning, she's kind of a weak character, and he's the one coming from a position of dominance. Not strength, but dominance. Um, And 
yeah, I think that's why I kind of gravitated towards her character in the beginning. And ultimately, I didn't really like either of them <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Um, though I thought the performances were pretty real. Yeah. I like them because they felt they felt so both so real to me. Um, and just like a quick note that I wanted to add is that Noah Bumbach and Adam Driver are actually like best buddies. They've already made four films together, um, and the intentionality behind each scene and each movie that Noah makes. Um, he actually discussed this movie with Adam Driver and asked him for his notes even before writing it, mm-hmm. um, just to see what his gauge was because. Adam Driver has been divorced and Scarlett Johansson was actually on her second divorce when she was filming this or or uh, first approached with the role which I thought was um very interesting cuz they could bring their real life experiences to it and I also found it um really cool. I like stories where directors work with other actors specifically and write with them in mind knowing that their story will truly come to life because they can fully trust this person and that person to Noah is Adam. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, it's I like that each of them had like some sort of relationship with divorce and with marriage and views on that. And I wonder like how much it contributed to their understanding of the character because it probably contributed very heavily to that. Uh, Let's talk about awards, because this won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress, Laura Dern, and it's also been nominated uh, for a bunch of awards for Oscars, uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Music Score, Best Original Screenplay, Best Actor, Adam Driver, Best Actress, Scarlett Johansson, Best Supporting Actress, Laura Dern. Um, Is there a specific category you think for sure is going to win? Um, that's a great question. I, um, hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he would win Best Original Screenplay, Noah. Um, and I really would not be surprised if Adam Scarlett and Laura took them. Um, that's a hard one, because Scarlett also is up for, you know, uh, JoJo. Um, and there's some discussion about Laura Dern being like, what's the big deal here? Except for the the subtle nuances in her performance. Like, when you really look at it, like, you don't even notice it. But, like, there's a scene where she's in the courtroom and, like, it starts to get a little heated. And she just so very calmly, like, she takes off her jacket and the camera's on her. And I'm like, oh, this is like a power move. Like, everything is intentional. And she sets it and she's smiling and she's just, like... I'm ready to go. Like, but there's always a smile on her face and she takes it nice, cool, calm. And just the nuances in her performance, I adore, which is uh, why I'm not surprised she won the Golden Globe. <laughs> She's great. Uh, I don't know who's going to take it, but um, should we talk about box office? Because yeah. that's a crazy budget of being 18600000 yeah. estimated, with the gross worldwide being $323,382. Yeah. I was so confused. I looked that up on IMDb. I was like, this cannot be possible. Like, what did they spend the money on? Like, where did that $18 million go? Probably the stars' names, but I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I should probably look more into actually who all the producers were. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe... Um, Adam was a producer with Noah, but I'm not sure that he plays that role when they work in films together. Right. Um, Vito in the booth here, the two producers listed on Google are Noah Bombach and David Heyman. Oh, all right. There you go. Thanks, so, Vito. yeah, I think it would go to paying all of those stars. I mean, you got Ray Liotta, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Adam Driver, and the list goes on. Even the 
even their uh, their lawyers and then the mom. I mean, they're all like big stars. So probably to them and uh, locations. That's crazy. That can't. I don't. That can't be accurate because 1917 did not have a budget that crazy. No, and, ni- 1917 was 90, 90, 90 oh, yeah, uh, yeah, million. Yeah, yeah. yeah so no, no, you're it right was like about 1917, but times million. This almost felt like an indie film to me in the way that it was made. Um, and I, I'm just surprised because, like, you have a courtroom scene, you have an apartment scene, you don't have anything crazy. I mean, you have some theatrical production in there, but it's nothing, like, insane where I'd be like, oh, this costs this much for this venue or to do it here. Like, it was just insane to me. I think the way Noah works, though, is he does do a lot of rehearsals before they even shoot. So you're using their time and, and the location mm. because he rehearsed every single shot, especially with the cinematographer to get it just right. And when you think about all the shots that he uses from, like, mid to master to, like, close, and then we get in super close, um, I guess it's more time and rehearsal of him being very specific versus an indie. You're like, we got two shots. We got to, I don't know, you go to him and go to her, and whatever we get, like, I'll try to edit and make it work with some music. But <laughs> no, it's like, no, no, you have to get this close up, and then we've got to cut. Like, he was so specific even in, in suggesting in shots of, like, you have to come towards the camera when you say this one word, and it has to be that every time. Yeah. You have to punch the wall in the exact same spot every single time so yeah. it all matches up. I don't know. The specifics of maybe how he works probably bumped up the budget because you take a little bit longer if it's not, like, free free going. But uh, also they shot in New York and L.A. I don't know. There's, there's two locations there. Um, you got to pay a ki- the kid and teachers. I don't know how it adds up, guys. It's a lot of money. I wish I had just like one million to make a movie. I'd be like, <laughs> it's gonna be the best. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand how it works with Netflix either. When you make like three hundred twenty-three thousand, um, are you supposed to make the money back? Did Netflix pay? Uh, like how do, how do they make money on Netflix? Like that's I'm super confused about that. I definitely need to look into how the mechanics of that works with this film specifically. Um, But I do think the legacy of this movie is going to be that, you know, it is a movie that accurately depicts divorce and what goes on, and I don't feel like it's overly sensationalized or over-the-top acting. Right. Um, It was good. Not my favorite, but it was good. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts about the movie and what you think its legacy would be? I do not. I think you guys just go and watch it. Let us know what you think in in the comments below. We love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in, you guys. Uh, let us know what awards you think Marriage Story is going to win on Oscars Sunday. Uh, I'm your host, Mina Nadine. You can follow me at Mina Makes Magic on Instagram. And Tara Erickson, where can everybody find you? Yes, guys, you can find me on Instagram at Tara Erickson um, or Twitter at the Tara Erickson. That's T-A-R-A-E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Please find me on YouTube and IMDb, too. Bye, everybody. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.